welcome to the Gorilla Pastors Podcast. I'm your host, Josiah. You join us on part two of our four-year scorekeeping episode featuring Pastor Mike Ford of Life Community Church in Kirkland, Washington. If you haven't listened to part one yet, please do so now, as this is a follow-up to our initial conversation. And since part two goes a little longer than we intended, we're going to get right into our conversation. So with absolutely no delay, here is Pastor Mike Ford explaining how he does ministry in the Pacific Northwest. And I'll tell you, you know, we we have uh, very much a collaborative team approach where we've looked at how we've combined, in a sense, what would what would be two churches on our district, but to collaborate together on how we can actually best utilize our gifts. Because I'll I'll tell you, I'll be honest, I am I am not I'm I mean I've. I am not the discipleship guy. I'm the discipleship guy because I'm a pastor. I'm lead pastor. That's who I am. But uh, but Justin, who's a part of our life community, Snoqualmie Church, but is is a you know a part of our team. That that guy eats, sleeps, lives, breathes. You know discipleship, yeah. and that's his giftings, and that's who he is. And you know, and and me. You know, yeah, I've got the experience of, of, you know, now, you know, many years of, of leading a church and, and being a, a lead pastor, which, which has given me a lot of skills and, and whatnot. But, but my heart and my gifts and talents are, are much more evangelistic and apostolic. And so I'm, I'm able to, uh, you know, to be out and, and to be able to work collaboratively. And then we've, you know, I'm sorry, you know, Josiah is a part of this. You may, you know that now as you were talking, but Josiah is a part of our ministry team here. And, and because he doesn't have the word lead in front of his name for his title, um, he is seen and viewed as an, you know, an equal part of our team because Josiah is missional as all get out. <laughs> And, 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 and you know what, but, you know, uh, Josiah's, Josiah's not, uh, I'm, you know, he's, how do I say it? You're, 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 I, I'm not the shepherd pastor. You're not the shepherd guy. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not the, no. the teacher preacher every Sunday morning. You're, pastor. You're, you don't, you don't do well with church boards. No, I'm not. The bureaucracy is, is right. str- I struggle right. with the bureaucracy. Absolutely. And, but we expect, but we expect people to come into these roles and, be the perfect board bureaucrat leader and the perfect shepherd. And he's got to be able to reach out to the community and, and bring people in. And, oh, it's such a benefit because, you know, he's in his 30s and he's got a young wife and they've got four kids as well. So, <laughs> so, so, so naturally, Sounds so naturally all familiar. of a sudden, you know, all these other families are just going to magically start to come to the church now. And, 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 but they're surrounded by a congregation that is aging and they have wonderful hearts, but they, they're limited in, in what they physically can do. And, and so it, be, it becomes an impossible task. Absolutely. <laughs> sounds, sounds remotely familiar. So cats out of the bag. I mean, Mike and, and Justin, the two pastors that I think on paper I actually answer to and are on the hook for me if I get out of line a little bit too much. Uh, have been doing this collaborative, but I want to know we need. Not everyone's going to be familiar with the situation. Sure. So Kirkland, 
and Snoqualmie, two different cities in Western Washington and King County, about 30 minutes apart. Yeah. 30 minutes apart. Um, you, you were lead pastor. You started, in, you said 14 years ago? Or, yeah, 14 and a half years, 2008, June of 2008. You started in 2008 as lead pastor of Kirkland. At the time, you probably didn't have a whole lot of working knowledge of what was even going on in Snoqualmie. Not at all. But I want to say five or six or seven years ago, you became a little more familiar with it. And we actually, on another podcast that I created and produced, interviewed somebody that was part of this whole uh, interaction. If you, I, I'll put the, the show in the, in the notes if anyone wants to go and listen to it. But there was this idea to maybe partner with in, in more of a collaborative effort, uh, partner with another church, not just be like, uh, you know, we're going to replant or church plant and you have to answer to us, but more like, how can we collaboratively work together? And when it was happening, I was talking mostly to the co-conspirator you were having do some double duty between Kirkland and Snoqualmie John Wren, who was the interviewee in the episode we'll put in the description. But my my uh, my question, I'll eventually get to it, I promise. My, my question is, how did you get to this point? Because what ended up happening, I just want to make it clear for our audience, what ended up happening is you functioned almost like his executive pastor while he was the lead pastor in Snoqualmie, but then he would come over and do stuff for you in Kirkland. He, he, he functioned as a discipleship pastor. And you both were at both campuses a lot. A lot, yeah. We, we, shared, we shared those responsibilities, especially and a lot earlier early on. Um, and and it worked was that my so my question is not just i'm sure this was an opportunity that you took but there had to have been probably you 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 shared this metaphorical story probably inspired by true events of young pastors being put in difficult situations was this already a conviction that you had it was already conviction i before this situation took place yeah it was very much a conviction um I, I, I and part of the conviction again was still was rooted in allowing pastors to operate in their gifts and strengths, and and that uh, we 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 had a vision of of um, of planting a church, and we you know John shares this shares this story on the other podcast as well. Yeah, you know, go to the notes, click the link, you can listen to it there uh, as well. But. Um, but I, I, John, John Wren had uh, recently graduated from uh, NNU, came on my staff, and he was, you know, doing youth uh, and and some discipleship. And but we we knew again, we knew where his strengths were and what we wanted to do. And we had this vision. I had this vision again of how can we maybe we were thinking originally of how we plant a church. And and yet the church be connected in such a place where we're just not sending John to go off and do it by himself like church planters do, but that's that it's locationally close enough to where again we can still operate in our strengths. And so John can be the discipleship pastor because John also eats, breathes, sleeps discipleship, um, and uh, where he could still be the discipleship pastor over both campuses, but yet still be the primary lead of, of the, of the other campus. And I can, again, with my experience, you know, uh, of being a part of lead ministry for a, a bunch of years, I can work executively and also think apostolically and reaching out and, and whatnot and, and, and work, work together. Um, and so it was, it was initially grounded through, again, the idea of how do we work out of our strengths, collaborative ministry, 
um, not just putting people out on their own island and saying, good luck, you know, we'll support you with some money, but you got to do it all yourself. Uh, but how do we work collaboratively in our strengths, but then also to, to create new work? Um, again, I was being a part of the district leadership uh, and, and knowing that the Snoqualmie Church at the time, when this is kind of brings it a little bit up to speed, uh, the Snoqualmie Church had had uh, had a pastor that had retired, um, and they had a very hard time trying to replace that pastor. Uh, again, smaller congregation, not as many resources, and so they really couldn't afford to bring in a, a, a pastor. As I was working with our district superintendent, Jerry, who's uh, I've had a great relationship and we've grown a, a lot together, um, we, he uh, I started asking him about, you know, how's Snoqualmie going? And he's sharing me this story. And then I said, well, Jerry, I've got an idea that I just want to throw your way because, you know, I've, we had a dream of maybe planting a church, but why don't I take this same collaborative idea of, of the church plant and, and work it into Snoqualmie? I've got a young pastor. He's, I'm developing him to be a, a lead pastor. We know that that's what he's going to be, but he's, he can, in, a, in essence, he can become a part-time, he can become a bivocational pastor is how we would look at it. Mm-hmm. But his, his, his jobs, his two jobs would be instead of, instead of you know, Starbucks yeah. and, and the church, it, it's, it's, you know, he, we carried, the Kirkland church carried half his salary and the Snoqualmie church carried the other half. And, and we work this team collaborative. And then next thing you know, as we're, you know, I'm, I'm going to board meetings and helping lead in and, and my areas of strength and, and, and still call me. And John, John's doing the same, who's an amazing leader as well. Great young leader. Um, the, the, the board really saw um, how this was working so well and really adopted it. And, and they're the ones that really came up with, with you know, as they were talking about how they want to move forward. As, as they've rethought out through mission and vision that that they go why don't we just become life community Snoqualmie? it wasn't it wasn't even pushed from from me or John they they saw that and valued that and and so um, that's what we did and but the churches you know on paper and everything they they're they're individual churches they have individual boards um, and and they 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 act individually but um, but in reality, there's a relationship and a collaboration that we work we work a lot as as one. There's there's so many. I was tr- mentally going through the list, but I probably won't get it all. There's lots that is shared on a regular basis, on a monthly, weekly basis, on a semi-annually basis. So off the top of your head, um, well, I, I can try to list them, and you can tell me what I miss. You've shared pulpit suppliers, right? Like we we preach at each other's churches. Um, we share bookkeeping. We share uh, sometimes bank account stuff. I think. I think we have a, a shared bank account, maybe or something like that. Um, and then we often, if there is need for like, yo, come and talk to some stuff. Talk to us about. Some, there's always like, I don't know. I guess you could call it consulting or something like that. There's plenty of, and we also just have shared staff meetings as sure, well. Leadership development. Yeah, all right? that stuff. A lot of that is is collaborative. Yeah. And again, it's and it's and it's we've able again be able to take the combined resources of 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 two churches yeah. to uh again create a to create a team 
again, normally a church that would literally only be able to support a part-time pastor mm-hmm. now has, I mean, what we talked about, I mean, not, not only did, when, when John and I went over there, I mean, part of the reason why, it, why they bought into it was they were saying, you're not only going to get John, you're going to get Mike. You're going to get Mike. You're yeah. going to get me as well. And, and so, so in a sense now, we've, we've got two churches that have, you know, but there's, you can say there's, there's six staff people at each church because of our combined team. Yeah. And whenever we, if something needed to happen, collabor- you know, collaboratively over in Kirkland, you know, Snoqualmie would, you guys would be over here or, or vice versa. And, yeah. and again, uh, Right, our 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 church has had so many young pastors. You're you know, you're you're a, a part of that. Justin, who's at Snoqualmie, was a part of that. Who were alone on an island in these small churches that are they are you guys are wonderful leaders, wonderfully gifted people, and and families that poured your heart and souls. And, you know, only, only to, 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 again, just to, to have an impossible task. Yeah. And, and so many get, get burned out of ministry or flamed out before they even really have a chance to begin. And so this is, this is a beautiful model. Yeah. Because we're able to, you know, cause that's, cause I mean, you know, imagine if you had someone near you at your old church that would like if if i i we pretty i met with you i like had to jump across the puget sound on a ferry and we had lunch in yeah everett or something shoreline shoreline Shoreline, yeah yeah. just because i craved that so much it was literally felt like i was on an island and and truly i mean as uh i don't know if i've brought this up either i mean it's like why i'm still even remotely close to still being a pastor right like because like I, you know, when Justin approached me without, hopefully he's okay with me sharing this. He's like, hey man, you want to come be a staff pastor somewhere? I'm like, no, that sounds like a terrible thing. I don't want to, I was just, it was not a good time. I was in the heart of COVID and so many things were, were going on at my church that, you know, a lot of it was out of my control and things I was trying to accomplish, just a whole lot of stuff that was going on. And I'm like, I just don't even think I want to do this at all. So good one. He said, okay, well, let me know what you're thinking. And it was actually my wife. She's like, who is talking to you about what now? And uh, what actually kind of pushed me to, to say, okay, let's talk more, was she could get a much better job as a nurse. Um, and I told Justin that. I'm like, hey, man, if I don't like pastoring anymore, at least she has better jobs as a nurse over here. But uh, we all sat down one time you know, before I actually accepted the position. And the idea that, oh wait, like I'm not by myself doing all this, it was such a huge uh, moment for clarity of like, oh, maybe I actually still could be a pastor. Because that was the thing that was most soul sucking, was you can't, you there, no matter how much you pour yourself into it, there was still more work to be done and and more to accomplish and more to achieve that no matter what you did, you could never actually accomplish your achievement. Some of that speaks to expectations and traditions and what we value and what we think is the most important thing. And you know, no matter how much I ran around like a chicken with my, my head cut off or my tail on fire, I just couldn't keep up, yeah. couldn't keep up with it. So my question then for you is, 
And you got this interesting, I think last time I preached at Kirkland, I said circuit preaching because that's, <laughs> that's the old school name that they called it for back in the day when pastors rode horses between the towns and circuit preached because they were responsible for like five churches. It's not really accurate because it's like we can have four different pastors preach in one month at the different churches. So I preach one sermon twice, but at two different locations. So I'm not having to like jump around, jump through hoops that crazily. My question, though, that that stems from this sort of discernment that we're going through, me and my co-host on, what does it look like to do this subversive ministry thing? Like, in subversive meaning, well, maybe that institutional norm of thoughts and prayers, here's a church, hopefully because you're 30 and have four kids and yada, 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 things will work out. If we don't, If we don't have a whole lot of faith in that approach... Then what do we do next? I mean, this is this is one option, right? Like a bunch of smaller churches in close proximity could pull this off, but that requires urbanization, probably, right? You, you need saying meaning that you need churches that are close enough together. Yes, exactly. Right. So so it's hard. So if you if you know you might know or might not know where Forks, Washington is. It's out in the middle of nowhere where exactly. vampires live yeah. and, and werewolves, Twilight. right? For yeah. Twilight. Twilight. Yeah. yeah, Twilight reference. Everyone but, knows where Forks is, though. Okay, right? At least everybody, you know, all the millennials, right? Yeah, well, again, the, this, well, okay. this is not the millennial podcast, but no, you not. know what I mean. I so, am millennial. <laughs> um, right, so, so there obviously it makes it, would make it difficult to, to, to do that in that region, but I'd, I'd venture to say that most of our churches, uh, well, okay, then I would even, I would take it a step further. I'd say there's probably a, another small church nearby. Yeah, that's not Nazarene. Oh, did you just say that? Uh, <laughs> I did just say that. You're, you're, but you're saying what I was thinking, because yeah. you know what I was thinking. I, dear, but I, I venture to say that there's even another Nazarene church that's that's close enough by close to, I mean, yeah. we're, we're 30 minutes apart. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally, it takes... You know, on a on a Sunday, you know, non-traffic time takes takes thirty minutes to get up there, and and so it's it's no big deal. But I, I venture to say most most of our churches are within thirty minutes of of one another. Mm-hmm. So so something like this could could happen. But even if even if not, you know, I I would I would say why you know is it completely outside the realm of of possibility to to take a risk and say. Hey, I've got I get to, I've gotten to know this pa- or even first make a relationship to get to know the pastor down the street because I'll tell you I've had other pastors from you know uh, other churches in our community come and come and share before and we've collaborated too. I guess I'm a collaboration guy. I, I've I've done a lot I feel of. Like cl- we should be that way though. I, we I, I I think it's a healthy thing, um, and and so I've had others you know preach. Uh, yeah, I've I've, I've, I've I've had a Calvinist, you know, <laughs> pastor, um, you know, in my pulp, in my pulpit, we call it my pulpit, right? Yeah. Kind of my, my pulpit. It's not my but pulpit. That, it's God's that's, pulpit. That's what some people think it is, though. Right. Yeah. That's absolutely how it's viewed by some folks. And then what's so but this this opens but, up. But this. So, so, yeah, I think I know where you're going. But just so let me talk. Oh, OK. Go Maybe not. <laughs> oh, okay. And if and if it's not, then you can redirect. No, that's fine. Um. <laughs> The the one of the reasons that uh, there's a couple reasons here that I, I think not just one but a couple reasons why I, I think where we've come to a place of valuing um, the different having different voices uh, on us on on at least on our when we talk about our Sunday morning time uh, you know one is okay I have valued 
um, trying to raise up young leaders and giving them those opportunities. So, um, so I have, again, it's, it's been a part of my makeup to, to get young people, you know, on, behind the pulpit and, and being able to develop and, and share some of their, you know, preaching and teaching gifts. Um, I, I think that's important because, because the next generation, I, I, you know, these are good skills to have, whether or not we're just talking about having, you know, if, if church is just Sunday morning, you know, or not, these, these are important things to develop leaders in our church. So I want to invest in young people to do that. So, so that's, that's, that's a part of, of, of the motivation behind this. But, but the other part is it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Okay. And so, so if I can, if I can create more time for myself or for the other pastors on the team to be able to go and create new relationships and new ministry opportunities, then that's positive. We need that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, to also be healthier for our, in our, our families. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, but but it, it creates that opportunity for for ministry to go beyond just what I'm you know, I, I'm taking 20 hours to prepare a sermon on Sunday every week. Well, you know, if I if I do that now every other week because I team teach or mm-hmm. we do some of the some of again, some of those collaborations that we do where where again, we'll we'll preach one. Uh, we'll prepare one sermon that gets in. in only have to do it once that month uh, of preparation. I might preach it twice because I'll preach in Kirkland and Snoqualmie, but I, I only I only took prep time for for one sermon for the month because all four of us will uh, of our main teachers that we have, you know, each take a week. So it reminds me of the interview I had with Craig Laughlin, and uh, I asked him about this whole. Hey, sometimes it's a struggle because pastors can only do ministry in our denomination if they're attached to an address, a physical space, a location, a building. And that can be particularly limiting because on one hand, I think it's great doing this collaborative effort inside of a church, sharing two churches, staffs and resources and that sort of thing. But I was getting with him and I want to ask you the same question. What about ministry outside of the building, right? Ministry outside of the nine to five? Because on one hand, if you're paid by a church, there has been historically and even today, expectations that you're going to work there and have an office there. But if guerrilla ministry collaboration is something we can talk about, then what if what if it looks like having a pastor that you support in some way, maybe it's not even necessarily monetarily or financially, but support ministerially to never even be in your building as much as anyone would expect them to be in the building, right? So he, I asked him that question, and he thought it was an interesting question to parse out. I kind of feel like the question for you goes a little bit deeper, because in some ways, it almost feels like you're sort of exploring that maybe even with me at the moment. So what are your thoughts on, is it A, restrictive, that we you have to be assigned to an address, but B, what is the potential opportunity for collaboration with these sort of ministry out-of-the-box approaches to doing church tomorrow? Um... I don't think there's anything wrong with being able to have an address. Sure. We need, uh, you know, that's okay. But if the expectation is, again, that 
only ministry or office hours or whatever it may be takes place at a phys- at that physical address, then we're missing the point again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're right. I mean, you know, you're you're a gr- you're a great example. How how often are you hanging out at the church for at the church office per se? Uh, in in your ministerial capacity, that also includes though you're part. You know, I don't know if people know this or not, but you're you're a part of of working in a nonprofit ministry of sorts uh, through the community of Snoqualmie as well. Yeah. But that again, that's that was a part of our intentional yeah. aspect of of getting you out of the church box yeah. and in the community for for ministry. Yeah, I mean, I'll out myself. You can use me as an example. I'm not too concerned about it. I average one, maybe two days in an actual office in the church building in Snoqualmie. A week. I mean, there's so many things into that. Some of it's ministry philosophy. Some of it's just limitation. I have kids, and my wife has a real job, <laughs> and and we can only afford so much childcare. But part of it too, I think, is the the ethos or the missiology of what I'm trying to do as well. Right? Is I don't want I I won't see very many people if I sit in my church office all day. It's it's funny. So uh, again, one one of the the churches that I that I came from, um, that has that has some influence in who I am, um, and in in my in my ministry leadership upbringing, um, I, but not fully. I'm but uh, when I was at Gold Creek Community Church, um, you know, which used to be a Nazarene church. For those of you who maybe know the story or not, I'm not going to get into the story. But uh, <laughs> however, it was it it grew and became kind of a largerish you know, church uh, on our district and, and in our, in our region, um, you know, as for, compared to any church, it was up there. Um, and the funny thing is the staff, we did not have, we did not have a physical off. We had, no one had a physical office. The lead pastor did not have a physical office in that building. Hmm. They had an administrative office area where the copiers and some, you know, computers for graphics guys, you know, cause they had kind of quite a production team. So, so they kind of had that, 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 that took place, but, but we were expected, I mean, we would have our, our staff meetings um, would be held in the kids ministry room because it was kind of big and, and we had some couches in there and we'd circle up and, you know, but it, it was very atypical. Um, and so I don't, I, again, coming from my young life background too, we didn't, you know, ministry was, was just out with the people. So it would make sense. Um, when I, when I hired, um, one of my other staff that, that came and, and part of my, my family ministry, our family ministry team, you know, I, I encouraged them, uh, you know, cause they, they came from a place that you know, they were just required to just almost be at the church all the time. Yeah. And, and it was very restrictive for ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, so they, they really questioned me on that. I'm like, no, I want you out of this place, especially during the week. Yeah. Um, and so. And, and that social media attests to how actively involved they are in just being out with those that they're ministering right. to. So. Right. And again, um, I can't remember where we were talking about this, but again, our, our you know, what you call circuit preaching. Yeah. Right. But uh, the ability to, 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 to have team teaching uh, 
allows allows me and allows our team to not have to to worry about producing, you know, who are this or a senior pastor or a lead pastor, or, you know, to always have to produce, you know, time and prep that it takes to to deliver the Sunday morning sermon, um, because we work it in a in a team fashion. It allows us more time to also be outside and in the community and and connecting in missional ways. Um, you know, it gets us out of the building, gets us out of the office. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm a big proponent of, yeah. I I want I want my staff. I want, I, I well more than just staff. I wish, I, you're going to get me to start maybe a whole other tangent. But when I but when I talk about when I when I think of ministry and discipleship and discipling, um. It goes beyond the staff mm-hmm. and beyond the Sunday school teacher that's been doing it for 30 years or beyond the small group leader that's had the same small group and is, you know, the, 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 some of these that are thought of as, as great, and they are wonderful, great, you know, biblical teachers or, or whatnot, um, because especially I think in our context, in our uh, part of the world, uh, un- unless unless you can produce an amazing show, yeah. then you, you, people aren't just going to come. Yeah, and and so you have you have large you have plenty of large churches in our area that produce an amazing show. That glorify God. I'm not knocking it, but they have the resources and they've used this as their method mm-hmm. of reaching and teaching people the gospel mm-hmm. and 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 do it amazingly well. Um we are not that church. <laughs> and and most churches aren't, and most churches in our denomination aren't as well yeah. um especially again in in the in our our context so um and honestly the i i just have another belief that that most of those churches just kind of get filled up of shuffling christians around um that if we're really going to be going back to the very beginning of this podcast talking about our you know our, our christology forming our missiology forming our ecclesiology that that you know if 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 our heart you know if we're going to get the heart of Jesus and his mission to inform who we are as a church you know we we go back to Jesus and he was with the people Mm-hmm. And and so again, discipleship being again beyond. Now let me go back to what I was just talking about beyond just staff and pastors being outside the building, but it's also being able to teach and create uh, the idea and fostering the idea that um, that everyone is a disciple maker. Everyone makes disciples, um, you know, and and that that process and and that young people can disciple old people, old people can disciple you know every I my my little mantra these days is that every relationship is an opportunity for discipleship. Mm-hmm. Again, that, that applies to me as a, as a pastor, but it applies to, to everyone who's a Christ follower is every, every relationship you have, whether it's with the barista at the, your Starbucks that you go to, or your 
the teacher that you uh, that your kids of your kids class or your neighbor that is, you know, across the street or next door to you. They are all opportunities for discipleship. And I'm a disciple maker if I'm a Christ follower. Right. That's that's what we've been called to do and be. And so we got to be out of the building. Pastors, but I've got to also inform and disciple our people mm-hmm. to see themselves as disciple makers outside the confines of the church as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That maybe that just took it all no. to a different place. I it just gets the wheels spinning at the very least. I mean, because part of part of this, I go back and I put myself in the position of okay. So if I was back in, in this, or if Justin was, or if, if, you know, the average, especially young pastor is put in the position of being the only pastor by themselves, I, I, want, to, I want to offer something more than just, here's another thing to do by yourself, right? I, and I'm not sure how many of our listeners are actually in that position. Uh, but a way forward, I, this is how I love to kind of end these conversations. I, I silly, it was silly of me to ask, I think I asked Pastor Greg, Craig, uh, forecast the future of ministry for me. He's like, I will never forecast things, but you know, I just kind of wanted to ask the question of what should we be doing for the next generation of pastors? You know, kind of in general, like, because that's part of the motivation for me, right? Like, I love the I love the philosophy of we should all be disciple makers, and I actually think that would resonate with soon to be pastors, those going to seminary, those going to school. However, and this is, I don't know, this is perceivably critical or cynical, I don't know. When the rubber meets the road, there's a lot of other stuff that is expected to spend time and energy on. So, so the future of ministry is wide open as it might be. Is there a morsel? Is there a thing that I'm such a huge... <laughs> I'm sorry. Come on. <laughs> it's it's what's on my mind, right? It's on, it's what's on my heart because I think I okay. I earned I earned the right to have an opinion after 15 years of ministry. You've been doing it for 35 years. After 35 years, it, you start to mentor a 20-something year old pastor. I mean, what what are we doing? Okay, I, I'll I'll say I heard this from someone. I sorry, I can't maybe attribute the exact quote to. This person, I'm not the smartest person in the world, um, but um, the expansion of the kingdom grows at the speed of relationship. Uh, that sounds very familiar, and I think you got it pretty close. I can't yeah. remember where it comes from, though. And and so, um, at the at the core of of ministry and young leaders and all of all leaders and young leaders is how do we create space for collaboration and relationship and connection with one another and helping people helping our people as we lead them to understand that the the kingdom of God the gospel is going to be spread and grown and Jesus will be glorified and uh, his family will be as the family that he's called us to be is going to happen, not not because of of a of a building, and we sit in a row and we listen to an amazing preacher on a Sunday morning inspire us and sing some great songs. 
Those are all beautiful and a wonderful part of the gathering of God's family together to worship our God together. All of that is great and wonderful. But if we don't take it outside the building, if we don't go and live it outside and see these opportunities that God has placed before us, these relationships that we can have that are truly opportunities for discipleship. And I think, I think it, it begs me to, to, to again, to, we have to really, uh, I don't like the deconstruct, reconstruct thing, but to really look at, at what is really, what is discipleship and to expand our thoughts and ideas that discipleship is something that not only happens, a lot of times we just think it happens because we get in a Bible study together, we open up a Bible, you know, even, even if it's at a coffee shop with, with someone across the table from us. Yes, that's discipleship and that's good. But discipleship is walking alongside someone and, and or again, or, or just being Jesus to your barista and, and smiling and, and, and being uh, a positive witness of Christ uh, in, a, in, a, in a healthy way. We that is that is where I think we see Jesus being uh, an, an example for us as Christ followers of how we can be the church. Did I even come close? <laughs> well, to, yes, help, help in, in a very pa- in a very pastoral way. I think you're you're getting close to answering my question because so much of what I I think you articulated part of what I felt and I, and I didn't actually fully have this experience. I did have I did have support, right? I did have mentoring. I did have support from the district, even and from the DS. Still, you know the the struggle is that there are plenty of of pastors that don't have any sort of actual discipleship happening to them, right? right? Like they don't have. So, yeah. So then I'd say you've got to say, so again, the, one of the reasons why we're sitting across from each other, why you are with us on the life community team yes, in, in Snoqualmie and we've got this whole collaborative thing going on and, and it, and it works. The reason why you're a part of this right now is because you, at least when you were at your previous church, uh, risked enough to go and risked enough to, and be vulnerable to say, <laughs> maybe I don't know what I'm doing yeah. <laughs> in a lot of things. Yeah, help. Maybe, maybe I don't have, you know, it's like, wow, um, you know, to, to, to be to self to understand yourself enough to know I, I I've got this but I don't have this this and this mm-hmm. and 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 you reached out to people like me and and I'm not the only one you reached out to as well I I, I know you had many conversations um, but again you you relationship it was relationship yeah. and, and and you went to 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 do that um, so again. Um, you know, finding finding uh, other pastors, uh, people have gone before. Um, even again, collaborating. One of uh, so, if I go back to my journey when I first became a lead senior pastor here in Kirkland, and again was 
you know, I, I'd, I'd been in ministry at that point, still kind of a long time. And I thought, oh, I've kind of got this figured out. And you get into it, and you figure out, wow, I don't have this figured <laughs> out. Um, you know, uh, one, of, one of the things that saved me was, was connecting with some of the local pastors that were in my area. They were in Nazarenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually healthy because, you know, sometimes, again, we can, you know, I remember we had our little Nazarene, you know, monthly gathering with some of the Nazarene churches that were in our zone or our area. And, you know, we can go and it turned into a bunch of sessions where we just can kind of complain together about things and whatnot. And, and, and <laughs> you know, commiseration yeah. and, you know, we're making jokes about things. But but I, I didn't feel super safe to be able to really share some of the things that I maybe needed to share, want to share of what was kind of going on and how I was feeling and what was happening. Um, but but with with these guys, I was able to create that type of relationship and, and connection. and um, And so they they saved me early on in 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 my ministry so again the uh, you know needing to needing to connect with other pastors that can that can you know be along this journey with you is is key who may even give you permission to think outside the box occasionally right? yeah and, and if you find people that yeah that can that could um encourage you in ways that would help you grow and see things differently, um, and challenge challenge you, and hold uh, you accountable, and hold you accountable <laughs> yeah. when when that's needed. Um, but also to to support you because it's it's we all know um, being pastors not easy, and so we also need need some emotional support and encouragement as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that you need to seek seek that out. Well, I feel like uh, I'm either a cautionary tale or <laughs> I'm hopefully becoming an example that you can share with other people of, hey, you got this unruly pastor who, ne-. I think the joke was at the at a recent gathering, the church in Snoqualmie had a hundred year anniversary and John Wren was there, the previous lead pastor. And the joke was, oh, you always need that pastor on staff that needs extra grace. And so the, the pastor that needs extra grace, that, that becomes the moniker that I wear or whatever, which is fine. But truly, though, you know, in closing, I, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. We're sitting, having a conversation on a podcast, and I see this as part of my ministry, right? I see this as part of what I do as a pastor. I see this as, as the, the prophetic vein of my, because that's, you know, prophetic, apostolic. Those are my, my gift things. And shepherd teacher is at the bottom of the list and just doesn't fit when you're not the shepherd teacher as a default and you try really hard for years to be that and it doesn't work. It, it's helpful for me to remember that there's space, right? Yeah. What, and what, what you do, Josiah is so amazing. Well, thank you. you. True. You, again, we need people. I'm so proud to have you and excited to have you a part of our team because you, so again, Man, I, I want this. Okay, if you are an old pastor like me, okay, listen, listen, we have so much to learn that we can learn from these amazing young pastors, ministers that are, that are growing up. And I have learned so much from the Josiahs and the Johns and, and the Justins. And, and, you know, we, we learn from, you know, and I know that they've learned from me too. And it's, and it's, it's mutual, but gosh, I mean, it's, 
that's that's the beauty of discipleship and collaboration and team and all these things that we talk about we can learn so much from each other be open be open to 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 what the the guys and and gals that are a, a part of this podcast and uh, you know again the young men and women and 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 the leaders their their hearts are right they're pursuing Christ and his mission and and they're going to be taking you know they're they're taking the torch if you want to call it but i've got so much to, i've learned so much from them and and we need to be open to that just i we need people like you Thank you. Okay, and that, are, that challenge that. us, and that, you know that that ask questions, and 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 bring these ideas before us, and and but are also you're you've been willing and open to 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 hearing you know you know thoughts from from my mind and heart as well, and, and whatnot. So, anyways, yeah, I I wanted to, sh- yeah. There you go. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, and thank you for the time and sitting down with me and being willing to participate in the podcast in general. Absolutely. It's been fun. There are so many things I could say about Pastor Mike as we wrap up this episode, but I trust that you can tell that he cares, that this can be seen in the ways that he leads his church and his ministry philosophy and how he spends time with others. So once again, I would like to wholeheartedly thank him and our previous traditional Sunday morning pastors for spending time with me. Looking back, I remember my conversation with Pastor Craig Laughlin and his desire and passion to be a missional outpost in his community in Marysville, Washington. His creative use of his building during the cold winter months to become a shelter reminds me of something we talk about a lot having a broad kingdom imagination. And then I reflect back on my conversation with Pastor David Rhodes. I took so much away from our conversation, especially when it came to his remarks on how often we seem to forget about Jesus, even when we talk about the gospel. His theological reflections remind me of the importance of having a benevolent orthodoxy. And finally, as I close this episode featuring Pastor Mike Ford, I am thankful that he embodies our third and final guerrilla pastor tenant, this celebration of a diverse praxis, allowing his ministry model to change, to make room for others who have different giftings than his own. In all three conversations, it's clear, a shift is taking place, and the way we are doing ministry will change, that this inevitability shouldn't be something we're afraid of, but that if we collaborate together, it could possibly be something to be excited about. In future episodes, we will do our best to share examples of what this might look like. Until then, I thank you for listening. If you would be so kind as to rate, review, and subscribe this podcast, it helps others discover it as well. But until next time, I've been your host, Josiah, and this has been the Gorilla Pastors Podcast.